1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I know that was just a great shock to you since we introduced our theme for this coming year would be 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're just going to happen to look at it this morning. So hopefully you're getting there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, let's go ahead and get some practice. You got it right in front of you. And we've got to work at learning this verse. At least I'd encourage you to do that. Twelve verses this year to memorize and hide in your heart. And they will be of benefit to you as they talk about uh, what God expects more of us in for the coming year. So join with me and let's see the reference and then the verse. First, Thessalonians 4.1. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. More in 2024 is our theme. Uh, more and more in 2024, if you would. 686 times in 630 verses, the word more is found, giving us a wealth of material to consider for messages. And don't worry, it won't be every week, and we're not going to look at all 686 verses. But if I were to choose one of the most important of those verses, this one would either be at the top or somewhere very close to the top because it gives us a great challenge, especially great challenge at the beginning of the year. As you've received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. In fact, I like it because it gives us, if you would, the big picture of the Christian life. And that gives us a great focus for the start of this year. Now, we looked at Romans 5 last week. As we ended up last year, we looked at Romans chapter 5. That kind of directs our attention to this passage. Because if you remember in Romans 5, there are five much mores. And, uh, and I hope you were challenged by that as I was about what God has done for us, which gives us the basis for and the reason why 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1 should be our focus and part of our life, not just this year, but every year, each and every week, each and every day of our lives, that we would do more and more for Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray and ask God to help us today in that thing. Lord, we are so thankful that you've given us in your word direction about what you expect and what you want for us, what you desire, and, and how to have a meaningful, fruitful life. Uh, as we look into this year and as we are now in 2024, the verse before us has great lessons for us to be learned and uh, a great goal for us to have. And I pray that you'd stir our hearts about that this morning. Help us as we think through the truth laid before us in this one verse to live in light of Bible truth. And I, I'm asking you again to do what I cannot do, that your spirit would take the word of God and drive the truth of this verse home to our hearts. And that uh, I pray that today there would be many who would take the truth of this verse to heart, to make it their goal, to make it their focus in this coming year. Uh, may the words we've spoken last week and the message we heard last week be that motive to drive us and to push us to respond positively to the truth here. And I will thank you, Lord God, for what you'll do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
a preacher began his message by saying this. Over the years, I've been teaching children about this simple but powerful concept that I call the ant philosophy. I think everybody should study ants, he said. They have an amazing four-part philosophy. Here's the first part. Ants never quit. It's a good philosophy, isn't it? If they're headed somewhere and you try to stop them, they'll look for another way. They'll climb over. They'll climb under, they'll climb around, they'll do whatever they need to do. They keep looking for another way. What a great philosophy to never quit looking for a way to get where you're supposed to go. Secondly, he said, ants think winter all summer. And that's an important perspective. You can't be so naive as to think that summer will last forever. So ants are gathering in their, gathering in their winter food in the middle of summer. An ancient story, he went on, says, don't build your house on the sand in the summer. He said, why do we need that advice? Because it's important to be realistic. In the summer, you've got to think storm. You've got to think rocks. You've got to think that winter is coming as you enjoy the sand and the sun. Think ahead. The third part of the ant philosophy is that ants think summer all winter. That's also important. During the winter, ants remind themselves... I don't know if they do, actually. I'm just telling you what he said. Uh, this won't last long. We'll soon be out of here. And the first warm day, the ants are out. If it turns cold again, well, they'll dive back down, but they'll come out again when a warm day comes because they can't wait to get out. And here's the last part of the ant philosophy. How much will an ant gather during the summer to prepare for winter? All that he possibly can. What an incredible philosophy, the all-that-you-possibly-can philosophy. So, wow, what a great seminar to attend, the ant seminar. Never give up. Look ahead. Be ready for opportunity or stay positive and do all you can do. As we come to our text in 1 Thessalonians 4, um, I would suggest that verse 1 uh, sums up the four-part philosophy of the ant. Never give up, look ahead, be ready for opportunity, and do all that you can. Our message this morning is going to be brought to you by the letter E. Because I have a bunch of words that begin with the letter E that will explain what God tells us and shares with us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. Expectation. Expectation is the first what are we to do more and more? This is rather simple. And by the way, I, I hope you won't look at this, at this message today and say, man, pastor, you're just talking down to us because that's not my intent. My intent is just to challenge you really with the very simple and the very important prospect and the very important truth that is laid out before us. And if we're going to do that, then we really have to look at the entire verse and what is being said and think about it. And I hope that you won't look at it as if, well, you know, I can read this myself. It's important for us to think through what is being said. And so when God tells us that we're to abound more and more, what are we to abound more and more in? Well, it's really simple. It's very straightforward there. But before you, before you say it, I want to ask you a question. In fact, maybe, maybe you should look this way just for a moment. If I were to ask you to sum up what a Christian should do in six words, what would you say? Sum up what a Christian should do in six words. 
Hmm, let me think about that. To go all to the glory of God. I'm sorry. Oh, well, let's see. I can cut it. Glorify God. That's only two. <laughs> all right. And enjoy him forever. Well, okay. So maybe you can come up with something in six words. I really believe that Paul does a wonderful In Adams, six words, simply what a Christian needs to do for life and what God expects and what the more and more is all about. To walk and to please God. So what is the expectation? To walk and to please God. In fact, let's go ahead and say it together, those six words. Ready? To walk and to please God. Ah, let's try it again. To walk and to please God. Look, if I were to sum up Christian do it and glorify God. We can do it, do all to the glory of God. We can sum it up in many different ways, and I'm thankful the Bible gives us a lot of different ways to think about it. But here in this verse, when he says we're about more and more, he sums it up, and he sums up Christian living really in six words, to walk and to please God. Now, there's a lot to that short statement. In fact, I'll tell you there's going to be a part two to the expectation a little bit perhaps later on. But Paul sums up well God's expectation in those six simple words. Now, they're simple to say, right? To walk and to please God. <laughs> it's not so simple to do. In fact, that's why we have the challenge laid before us, and that's why the churches at Thessalonica needed to, be, needed to think about this, because this is an expectation of God. And there's a lot to it, but it's a very simple thing overall. It's not complicated. You know, when we talk about Christian living, Christian living isn't some deep, great formula that, uh, that we have to follow. It really is rather simple. When Jesus Christ was asked the question, what are the two greatest commandments? Christ made it real simple, didn't he? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, throughout Scripture, you find the Ten Commandments are pretty straightforward. It wasn't like the, the Ten Treatises or something to that effect. It wasn't like long, long things. God very simply said, this is what I expect from you. This is what we need in life. And so throughout the Bible, God takes time to over and over in different ways share with us the truth that would kind of sum up the Christian life. And this really does it. That's the expectation God has. So expectation, what are we to do more and more? Well, we're to walk and to please God. All right, let's try it together again. To walk and to please God. You remember that expectation. Everyone is the second word for this morning in our outline. More and more is for everyone. Now, actually, I'm not exactly right when I said everyone because it's a specific people that are addressed in this verse. You find out who early on. Furthermore, then we beseech you, and what's the word you find there? Brethren, okay? This is only for brethren. So you said, wait a second, you said everyone. Well, I'll explain that in a minute. It is only for brethren. The message of more and more, this walking and pleasing God, are for people that are brethren. Uh, now you say, oh, well, pastor, why don't you choose another E? I have some other E's for this. Enlistees. Or the enlisted. Okay? So you're one of the enlistees if you're part of the family of God. This is brethren. Now, there's a couple reasons why, why that would be true. See, according to the Bible, those who are unsaved, those who are not part of the family, those who have not become part of God's family by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ cannot walk and please God. In fact, it's interesting. But if you were to go and look in the Old Testament, 
in a passage talking about the children of Israel. The children of Israel were not living right, weren't doing right, and God said that their righteousnesses, here's how he described them, were as filthy rags. Now that term that was used there was a description of something we don't really understand in our day because leprosy isn't something we hear a lot about and we see in America. But in that day, leprosy was basically a death sentence, or at least in many cases, not everyone who had leprosy died from it, but leprosy was pretty much a death sentence in many cases. It was something that was feared by people. And what the lepers would do, because they often had sores and other things that would, uh, that were, would not heal properly or whatever, but they would wrap parts of their body. The filthy rags was a description of the rags that would be used to wrap the leper and then taken off. And it was, they were filled with disgusting, disgusting pus. I know it's not a wonderful picture in your mind this morning. Uh, maybe you've had surgery, and you know, after surgery, they, they took off the bandages they had on there for a day or whatever. Disgusting. You, and you think, oh, man, that makes me sick. That's the way God described the righteousnesses of the Israelites. You say, why was that? Because they didn't have a heart that was right with God. So look, this is only for believers, because only believers can walk and please God. Those who are lost cannot walk and please God. They can't do it because, get this, everything they do that's good, God sees as filthy rags. He sees it as disgusting. You say, well, well, why would God see it as that? Because when people do their good deeds, if they're doing it to try to win God's favor, it disgusts God because there's no way to win God's favor. Because we are sinners under God's wrath and God's judgment, and if we think I can do something to make God happy, and we are totally mistaken about how salvation comes. So a man who's lost cannot walk and please God. It's only for someone who's part of the family of God. Now, I would say this. It's important for you, if you're not part of the family of God, to become part of that family today. And you can. It doesn't come by works. It doesn't come by deeds. It doesn't come by joining Spring Meadow Baptist Church. It would be nice if I could say it comes by joining Spring Meadow, giving a $10,000 offering to the Schwenke Vacation Fund. In Hawaii. Then I'd be going to Hawaii a lot, you know. But it doesn't come that way. It doesn't come by any works that we do. It comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his finished work on the cross. When Jesus came, lived life without sin, was died, was buried, and rose again, rose again to give people an opportunity to become part of God's family, which we couldn't do because of our sin. He came to take care of our sin. He came to provide an opportunity as well for us once we become part of his family to please him. And that's what he desired. That's what this verse is about. It's about people who are brethren, part of the family of God, who have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, saying, you know what? He has done so much for me that I want to walk and please him. That's my goal. That's my desire. He deserves as much. So look, lost people can't, can't please God. Another reason um, we could say is um, that lost people aren't going to be part of what's described in the verses preceding chapter 4 and verse 1. Because verse 13 talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for all his saints. And the reason why we're supposed to walk and to please God in this verse actually points us back to that verse. And here's the truth. Lost people aren't going to be part of the rapture, the catching away of believers that's talked about in the Bible. 
fact, he talks about it later in this chapter, chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. He talks about how the Lord is coming again. But lost people can't do that. So look, you can't walk and please God because look, there's nothing to walk and please God for. A Christian has a reason because he's coming again and we're going to give account and we need to walk and to please God because of that. So it's for brethren. So it's for... Now you say, well, wait a second, Pastor. You said everyone. Well, I did say enlistees, so there you go, in the family of God. But, but it's for all brethren. So it is for everyone who's part of the family of God. There's not a Christian in this room who doesn't need this. This is where the everyone applies. If you're a Christian, this is for you. It doesn't matter if you got saved last week, you, got, you became part of the family of God 20 years ago, or you've been saved for 40 years. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. This verse is for you, and it is a command for you to ponder and to think about this morning. You know, um, I, I have a simple question. In fact, let's, let's do it this way. I, I'm going to illustrate. Um, I know someone who's been saved less than five years. Anyone here been saved less than five years? It's not been of God more than five years. All right, all right. Come on, Brian, just for a minute. All right, and he's been saved between, I don't know, five and 20 years. Anyone here been saved between five and 20? I'm going to have you over here. Between five, we don't have anyone saved. All right, Peter. Very good. Somewhere. Somewhere, all right. He's, he's making an attempt to be, we're going to put you right in the middle. Do you have anyone that's been saved? Um, ooh, 40 or more years. All right, so, so, you want to you come up, Brother Farrington? You're going to be all right? We're going to get you on up here. All right, Brother Farrington, you're, you're going to be right over here. Okay? All right, so these are three people. Hi, Gio, all right, Peter, how close are you? Between 5 and 20. Where, where are you? All right, he's close to the 20 end. Four years? All right. 55 years. Wow, Brother Farrington. Further, all right. All right. So, so he had, all right. Imagine that a walk starts the moment of salvation when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because it does. All right. This walk of pleasing God. So it starts right here, right at the beginning. When you trust Christ, you can't please God before that. You can only please God from here. Now, um, we we are assuming that they're they're where they where they would be if they've continued to grow. Now, I'm not saying that. Brian here is less spiritually than Peter is. He's less than, and that they're both less than uh, Brother Farrington. Because the, the truth of the matter is, uh, growth is something that takes place as each individual makes a decision to live for God. But if we're picturing it, so here's someone, they get saved, they trust Christ, they can walk and please God. So we got someone that's been saved four years, we got someone that's saved almost that 20 years, someone that's been saved 150 years. <laughs> okay? All right. Truth and I and I ask you three gentlemen this real simple question. All right, do you walk and please God all the time? Okay. Now before you you stick your nose up at these people, there's no one in this room that could say that, because the truth is walking and pleasing God. There's only one person who ever did that, entirely throughout his entire life in every way, all the time. He did always those things that pleased the Father. And who was it? Jesus Christ. And until we are like him, we all have work to do. So I'll tell you something. This message is for Brother Farrington, who's been saved 170 years, and we keep changing the number here. All right? This is for someone who's been saved almost 20 years. This is for someone who's been saved four years. This is for someone who's been saved today. 
the truth is, everyone has work to do. So to this verse, we look at this verse, and we can't say, <laughs> Brian, he's only been saved for, you know, four years, maybe five years. He needs to walk and please God more and more. No, Brother Farrington, if he does that, is doing something that's wrong because Brother Farrington needs to walk and please God just as much as, as Brian does. Now, his walk and what he has to do will be different than Brian's. It should be. And by the way, if he would be over there, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? Because the truth is, everyone, no matter how long you've been saved, has something to do because Christ is here and he's saying, you've got to be like me. And none of us are. So we're to walk and please God. But if we're going to walk and please God, then all of us have something to do. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You are a great help this morning. To at least picture for us this idea that it's for everyone. Everyone has something to do. More and more applies to you. Now, you might say, well, I'm already walking. I, I would hope if I asked them before I even inquired, they would be able to say, yeah, I'm already walking. I am seeking to please the Lord. And I think that would be true for the three gentlemen that were up here. I would hope it'd be true for everyone in this room. If we were to bring you up here and ask you the question, are you walking to please God? Fine. But look at that last phrase again of verse 1. Because we're to do it how? More and more. See, this is for everyone. And no one ever will get to the place where verse 1 doesn't apply to them. Ever. Because you say, well, Brian could be saying, you know, Pastor, I am trying to live for God. Wonderful. Great. But you know what? He can work more at it. And even Brother Farrington, who's been saved 373 years. Boy, I'm having fun with this one this morning. Um, he can say the same thing. You know, Esther, I, I've been walking with the Lord for, I, you said 50, it was 55 years that I get, okay, 55 years. But you know what he can say? I, I, I have more than I could do. And I'm walking with him today, but I still have more than I could do. So we come to this verse, and it's for everyone. I don't care. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how spiritually mature or spiritually weak you are. This challenge is for you. Next word. Every day. Every day. More and more is for every day. As you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. The goal of 1 Thessalonians 4.1 is that at the end of this year, at the end of 2024, every Christian in this room can say, I have pleased God more this year than last year. Now, it's not just going to happen. In fact, if it just happened, then this wouldn't even have to be written. If Christians just, because we're saved, do this, then there is no reason for Paul to write the church at Thessalonica and say, hey, you need this more and more. But here's the thing. God's goal is not just that I come to the end of 2024 and say, I'm doing more for Jesus Christ or I did more than I did in 2023. What God wants me to be able to say at the end of January is that I've done more for Jesus Christ this January than last January. In fact, God would say, if I were to ask us, 
week, you know what I'm saying? I did more for Jesus Christ this week, like Sunday, this week, than I did last week. In fact, every morning, every day, we should be at the place where we could say, you know, Lord, yesterday I did more for you than I did the day before. See, this is for every day. This is something that's supposed to take up my mind and my thoughts. It's not supposed to be something I say, oh, yeah, good goal for the year, Pastor. Great theme, it rhymes. It's, it's something that I need to take to heart every day. In fact, let, let me just give you a challenge. Let's make it practical. Um, I'd encourage you just to, to think this through this week and get yourself thinking this way. To, to get your phone out not now, you better not be playing games either right now. All right. All right. Get your phone out after church and, and set, um, set your phone to, to set an alarm every morning and just put at, as the title of the alarm, uh, more. And every morning have the alarm go off this week. Sometime a little bit after you, you, your normal wake-up time, just to remind you, I'm to do more for Jesus Christ. Today. In fact, it wouldn't be a bad thing if you set your alarm for two or three times each day this week just to remind you throughout the day and to get you thinking this way because that's how a Christian is supposed to think. He says, I want you to abound more and more. So every day I need to be doing this. I need to be involved in this task. And, um, and I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, if you can set your alarm real quick, I, I almost was tempted to say, let's just take a minute right now and take out your phone but then, but then you, would, you would start answering all your texts that you just got, and you've been sitting there with your phone buzzing for the last 15 minutes. No, you're not doing that because you're paying attention to the word, aren't you? All right. Every day, though, is something we need to do. The next extent, enthusiasm, energy, extreme effort. You say Pastor, you've dealt with all the ease you possibly could. We haven't. In the definition for this word, so you would, oh, what does it say there? Abound more and more. In the definition for the word abound, there's also the word excess or excel. How much more and more is enough when your work for God is excelling? When it's exorbitant. Wow, I don't know if I can come up with any more ease, but someone I'm sure will come up. When it's done with enthusiasm, with energy, with extreme effort, I am putting forth the energy to do something different and be more like Jesus Christ. Are you excelling? The word here, abound, is a superlative. It means to superabound. According to the definition, Abundance can be either in quantity or quality. And I think that's a great way to, in fact, it's good to understand this word both in quantity and quality. I want to do more for Jesus Christ in quantity. I want to do more for Jesus Christ in quality. be a great attitude to have this year. You say, well, what, what would that mean? How would that look? All right. You read the Bible every day. Well, we sh- you should. And if you don't, that might be where your more and more starts. But you read the Bible. Say, for the sake of illustration, because I know you do it much more. I know you have spent hours. But let's say you spend five minutes 
every day, basically, reading scripture. On the and that we're, this is illustration here, all right? So five minutes. Okay, abounding more and more would be as a goal, okay, I'm going to have devotions 10 minutes every day. Excelling. I'm going to double what I've been doing. That's a good start. So in quantity, well, let me tell you something else. Let's say that in that five minutes a day, you just read it, you get done, you close your Bible, say, poof, we're done, let's go. We get involved in our day, and we don't think about the word anymore. You know part of abounding would be maybe this year? Not just to move it to 10 minutes, but abounding this year more and more, uh, excelling more and more, might be saying, you know what? I'm not going to come and just read the Bible and leave. I'm going to come and I'm going to ask God to give me something today. And I'm going to take a truth with me and I'm going to run with it throughout the day. So I'm going to ask God to give me a phrase, give me a verse, give me a thought, give me a truth from the passage I'm reading. And give me something. I'm going to. Does that make sense? Listen. You can make it measurable. There's no one in this room that can't do that. You have enough brains to figure that out. You can think through, how can I abound? How can I increase, excel in this matter of pleasing God more and more? How dedicated really am I to this task? You hear about the young man, by the way, who won Super Bowl tickets? He was excited to win it. But his excitement was lessened when he realized his seat was at the, you know, in the nosebleed section of the stadium. And he determined that he was going to go, but he was going to move if he could. So he started to search, his, you know, even before the game, for rows ahead of him for a better seat. He saw a couple in different places, but he was going to wait till the game actually began so then he could make his way down. And finally, he saw this empty one on the 50-yard line. I mean, it's just a few, few uh, seats up from... From right on, I mean, he would be right there. So he makes his way on down, and he approaches the man sitting next to the empty seat, and he says, is this taken? And the guy says, no. I said, guy, as he sat down, how could someone pass up a seat like this? And the older gentleman that was there he was talking to said, that's my wife's seat. We've been to every Super Bowl together since the day we were married, but she passed away. So the man just said, I'm sad, I'm sorry. Couldn't you find a friend or relative to come with you? The man said, no. They're all at the funeral. Oh, you didn't get it. That's a guy committed. Committed to the wrong thing, but committed. A guy that excelled in his love for football, obviously. Here, the, the truth is God wants us in our Christian life to excel. He, he wants us to excel at doing more and are you starting to get the whole, the, the whole vibe of this, the attitude of verse 1? It's, it's more than just, yeah, that's a nice verse. Ooh, it goes with the theme. This is something that's going to require thought, it's going to require work, it's going to require great effort and enthusiasm and the extent. Um, there really is no end to this because we're to abound more and more, super abound, quantity and quality. I want to do that this year. Expectation part two or explanation. More and more needs to be understood. So look at this statement again. We're to abound more and more in what? <clears throat> Say it. 
Six words. To walk and to please God. Ah, you were pretty good. All right, let's try it again. To walk and to please God. All right, what does it mean to walk and to please God? Well, that's pretty basic. It's pretty simple. Well, uh, before we actually get to those words, what is as we answer that, what is the expectation or an explanation of this? I want you to see, first of all, personal necessity. Because he says, how ye ought to walk and to please God. You know, as I was getting to this phrase, and I was actually trying in this point to explain what's going on and what God expects here, I actually passed over that word ought. And then I thought, you know, I ought to look up the word ought. See, I really think on a deep level, I know, I know some of you can't comprehend that, but I think on a real deep level, I mean, just way up here sometimes. So, so I looked up the word ought, and I was, it was interested to find that the word ought means it is necessary, there's a need to, or it's right and proper. So when he said that we ought to walk and to please God, maybe we should make it seven, seven words, we ought to walk and to please God. He's saying this is something that's necessary. It's needed. It's important. Have you thought about that? You know, last week's message in Romans 5 really needs to be put right here. We ought. It's necessary. Why is it necessary? Not because I'm trying to win heaven, because God has already given it to me. Not because I'm trying to keep it, because salvation is a free gift. has done much more for me. I ought, I ought to see it as a necessity to walk and to please God. So we see this year a necessity for you to abound more and more in walking and pleasing God. It's a personal necessity. But it's a pra- practical walk. I, I, I love it. I love how the authors of Give us word pictures to help us understand and help us understand truth. We're to walk and to please God. Uh, let's say it again. To walk and to please God. All right, so he uses that term walk. Could have used the word run. Could have used the word race. In fact, there are places in the Bible where Paul, in talking about the Christian life, talks about it being a race. Run. Am I right? Hebrews chapter 12 talks about that. Uh, Paul talks about it in the book of Corinthians. He says, look, they that run the race, run all. So run that you may obtain. So look, we, we are in, if you would, a race. But when Paul talks about doing this, this uh, the walk of the Christian life, he doesn't refer to it as a race. He refers to it as a, as a walk. And there's a lot of reasons we could say why. First of all, because a walk is a step-by-step thing and helps us to give this this. The word walk, by the way, means just your manner of life, your manner of living, every moment of every day. So walk gives us the idea of a step-by-step process. If you're going to abound more and more at pleasing God in this coming year, it's going to come because you walk. Because you actually take steps to make improvement and do happen, you have to make the decision to do it. We get out and walk about five or six days a week. I hate it. 
little bit like where I, I come back and I happen to walk one day and my wife doesn't doesn't walk and I come back and my wife will say, How was your walk today? It was a walk. Because that's how I feel about it. I do it because it's good for me. I do it because I need to. I do it because, well, because I know my wife wanted me to do it in the first place. It's not a bad reason. It's really not a bad reason. Um, gotten used to it, so, so I do it. But, um, you know, that, that walk, it, it's just something that you, you just you need to make the choice to do. Because, quite honestly, unless I make the choice to do it, especially when it's 20 degrees outside, not going to happen. Seriously, you understand that, don't you? That's why I love how practical these writers of scriptures are. Because he says, okay, I want you to abound more and more. What does it look like? Well, it looks like it looks like a walk. And if you don't walk, you can fall from one foot. One foot in front of the other. Oh, I'm sorry, I just brought that up. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas movies are mine. Okay. But it's just it's just And there's something conscious about it. So we're to walk and to please God. Uh, by the way, walk doesn't take a lot of effort, which I'm thankful for, but it does take some effort. In fact, it's great. It's, it's by increments. It's just a little bit at a time. See, a run. <laughs> just got to give you two. And by the way, you're tired of Peter out after just a few minutes. I tired Peter out after five steps or <laughs> Just keep walking. Because the walk doesn't bring honor to you, it does bring honor to you. And to walk and to please God means that um, every day, all the time, you just get to keep thinking, okay, how can I please God more? What would please God more? Is spending my time doing this pleasing God more? Is spending time going to this place? Should I do this thing? Those are all things that's of the walk as you tread about as you go throughout your life and involves your whole day. I mean, again, you, you, could, you could probably spend the whole time, and we're not this morning, but it's a practical walk. It's a personal necessity. We ought. This is a, it's a need. It's right and proper. It's a practical walk. It's just something that I need to be thinking about, put effort into, and then every day, and just making a little bit of progress. That's what a, about a walk. You don't go a long distance in a walk. Well, you do after time. But you don't get there real fast. So it's just, I'm making progress. Seriously, you should be able to tell that you've made progress in your Christian life over the past week. And if you haven't, then this is the week to start thinking about this verse. I ought to please God. More and more. That's what he desires from us. Abounding in this matter. That's the expectation. That's the explanation. A personal necessity, a practical walk, a purposeful practice. To please God. Word please. This could be a video. So here's the thought. I am supposed to live my life in a way that is agreeable to God. I've used this illustration, but I think it, it points out. Uh, every year at Lowe's, they had, a, well, they do it every once in a while anyway. They had a bunch of appliances, and they put them on clearance. 
Son didn't happen to be working at going to have a great time. He told me, he said, people can come in and just offer whatever they want to offer, and then they'll tell them if they accept it or not. So I went in with this mentality, because I'm a Baptist. Yeah. So we ended up buying, I don't know if we bought a couple things, but we did buy a dishwasher. Nice dishwasher. You know, one of the, the, the top line dishwashers. They are marked off like, I don't know, 50% or something to that effect. And I came in and I offered only half of that. And the guy said, I can't do that, but here's what I can do. And so he gave me like the bottom, bottom dollar. It was, it was really cheap for the product. Okay, so, so we, we, we pay for it and everything. And I, I'm not sure whether we were going to get it delivered. Probably not because I'm so cheap. I was going to probably come and borrow someone's truck. Steve Farrington knows all about someone borrowing his truck. I was going to borrow a truck or whatever and go pick it up or whatever. And we found out the next day that they didn't put a sale or sold sign on, on the dishwasher. So they called us to say that the dishwasher we bought had been sold and the person took it. So there's no dishwasher. Now, I'm not happy about that. And we ended up going, I think, well, we did. We went in. We can give you your money back. Okay, let me tell you something. That was not agreeable to me. Say, well, why? He was just going to give you your money back. Because we had a great deal. And I didn't want to lose it. So that wasn't agreeable to me. In fact, we kind of said that. Well, I, you know, I don't really think that's fair. It wasn't, it, it, we weren't the ones who went and sold it twice. We weren't the ones who put a sign on it, you know. You were the ones who made this mistake. And by the way, the guy was very patient. It wasn't like we were fighting over this, bickering over this. He says, or I can just let you choose a new one from the floor that would be comparable to the one that we, we sold out from under you. So we were able to choose which one we wanted. I mean, of top-of-the-line dishwashers, it's still in our house. So if you come to our house, you're going to look at our dishwasher and say, this was the agreeable one. And, you know, we left Lowe's happy. We were very pleased because we got a brand new one, not one that had been a floor, you know, floor model or anything, a brand new one, and they were going to deliver it to us for the same price. That was agreeable. I don't know if it was agreeable to Lowe's, but it was agreeable to us. Now, think about this. Okay, in life, a lot of times what we look at and how, here's how we live life. Well, I think that's pretty good. I think my devotional life is pretty good. I think my prayer life is pretty good. I think that I'm doing a lot as far as church is concerned. I think that I'm serving the Lord a lot. In fact, I think I'm making progress in this walk. But here's the thing. This is not what's agreeable to you. We're to walk and to be agreeable to who? To please God more and more. So the question is not, okay, is Lowe's happy with, with this? The question is, is the customer happy with this? Uh, for, for us, in our discussion, it's not, it's not am I happy with what I'm doing? Is, is God happy with what I'm doing? Is he agreeable to God? 
would God walk away from, from the sale of my life, if you would, okay, and say, I got a good deal. Well, he wouldn't. <laughs> I'm getting a good deal. I'm, I am agreeable to the way this man, this woman is walking. And if God would say that, then you're on the right path. You are. Right now, you're on the right path. You are walking to please God, and you're abounding more and more because that's what he expects. So the good question to ask myself is, is, is your devotional life agreeable to God? Is your prayer life agreeable to God? Those are serious questions that every Christian needs to ask because we're to abound more and more. If we're going to do that, we've got to understand that that's what it means. A personal necessity, a practical walk, and a purposeful practice. I am going to live agreeable to God. And this is what God asks of us. I mean, we've just looked at We've just scratched the surface on what we could say about this verse, believe it or not. But we have explained very simply what God expects. Now the question is, will you take the ball and run with it? Will you do something about this? Will you make the determination for your life that you're going to do more, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.1, you're going to do more in walking to please God. And you're going to seek to abound in it more and more. Never come into a place where I'm just content. Whoa, it was a good week. Good week, all right. Let's look forward. we got another week. Let's move on. Will you make that your decision? That's, that's, the, that's if you would, the, um, the enlistment call you have today because we have to use the letter E. Will you enlist? I'm not just talking about following a theme for the year. I'm talking about following a desire that God has for his children. Will you enlist? That's the question this morning God wants you to consider. Bow your heads and close your eyes, would you?